Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. All right, good morning once again to you in the room and to you connecting with us online around the world at our online campus. We're so glad that you're here today. It is great to be together in the house of God. And we got a lot of things happening. Our theme this month is Get It In Gear. This is the final week of January. Can you believe that? The year's already flying by. We just started it. Seems like we just came in. Anyway, um, getting in gear is basically saying this. There are things that you know you should do. You just keep kind of saying, well, I, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do that. But I'm here to tell you, it's the, the light is green. It's time to go now. It's time to go forward. You can't be looking at your device or looking at your life, looking at everything going on right in front of you and lose the big picture. And the opportunities that God has in front of you are right there. But you got to stop procrastinating and saying, well, yeah, yeah, well, next week, next month, next year. No, listen, the only way you're going to have a different year when you start 2021 next year than you did this year is if you do something different. I think it was Henry Ford that said, you know, if you just keep doing what you've already been doing, you're just going to keep having what you already have. And so a lot of people in the beginning of this year said, hey, we want something different. I'm here to tell you, you've got to do something different. Because it's not based on God's sovereignty alone. It's based on you and how you respond to what God is doing. Amen. Today, the message is called Motion Dynamics. And we started, listen, the first week of the month, we started with the widow woman with the oil. Remember the story with Elisha? I'm going to close with a story of a couple of widow women as well named Ruth and Naomi. And we'll tell you about them in a few minutes. Exodus 14 is where we're going to begin. Verse 13 from the message says, Moses spoke to the people. This is them at the Red Sea. He said, don't be afraid. Stand firm. And watch God do his work of salvation for you today. Take a good look at the Egyptians today, for you're never going to see them again. God will fight the battle for you. And you, you keep your mouth shut. Sometimes that's the hardest thing, isn't it? If God is fighting for you, then just keep your mouth shut with anything negative. And God said to Moses, why cry out to me? Why are you crying? Speak to the Israelites. Order them, command them to get moving. Everybody say get moving. And then he said, hold your staff high. Stretch out your hand over the sea. Split the sea. The Israelites will walk through the sea on dry ground. God, did, God said, didn't say suggest to them. Encourage them. Beg them. He said, I want you to command them. To go forward. Proverbs 24, 16 said this, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Righteous people bounce. Righteous people bounce up when they fall. Finally, I was, I've been pondering the book of Ruth like in devotions for the whole month, not knowing if I was going to preach on it, but this week, it just kind of came to me. The book of Ruth, you know, right there toward the beginning of the Old Testament, right after Judges, and you get Ruth. 
is a story of courage and faith like we rarely see. And it's a story of redemption. That Naomi is a Jewish woman, an Israelite woman, and she and her husband, Elimelech, they are from Bethlehem, and Bethlehem goes through a drought, a famine, and so they go to Moab and start a new life and move out of town, move away, and start a new life in a foreign country. And their sons grow up and marry these two Moabite women. And in a series of just a few years, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, dies, the head of the house, patriarch. Then the sons of their sons die, and, and Naomi is left there with two widow daughters-in-law, and she decides to go home, to go to Bethlehem. There's nothing there. Listen, in ancient times, the reason why God uses so many widows in Scripture to encourage us is because if God can help a widow in ancient times, he can help anybody. Because in those days, today being a widow, a widower is hard enough. But back in those days, that meant your sustenance, your livelihood was done. You had, you had no help. There was no, no, no such thing as insurance. And the men, it was a man's world, you know, it was a... That's what they thought. And so it was a man's world. So, they, so, they, so they, once, it, once the men in your life were gone, if you didn't have any sons or grandsons or husband or father, you were, you were sunk. So Naomi pleads with these two daughters-in-law and says, okay, I need you to stay here. I'm going home to Bethlehem, but I need you to stay here. And the one daughter-in-law says, okay, all right, I'll stay. But this girl, Ruth, there was something different in her. Ruth 1.16 from the message said this, but Ruth said, don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go, I go. And where you live, I'll live. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. I don't know what kind of relationship you have with your mother-in-law, but I know this is a supernatural one right here. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart? Let your word come forth today in power within us and change us and take us from where we are to where you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we talked about an oil change. We said there are times in every life and every Vehicle, no matter how great or how small, no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how strong you are, you need a fresh oil, a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, a fresh change. We said sometimes people get stuck where they are in life because they choose to blame, which we said, you know, blame is spelled be lame, be lame. And what happens is when you blame others for, for your chronic problems, start blaming your spouse, your coworkers, your boss. Sometimes people blame God. You lose, you lose it all. You lose perspective and you lose everything else. The way to move forward is to repent. To repent is simply to change your mind and change your direction, to change. Everybody say change. change. Sometimes change makes people uncomfortable, but the change that God wants is always a great change. And we said this month, 2020 is your time for a comeback. It's time for you to bounce into your next season of blessing 
and your next season of breakthrough. Um, one of the tireless roles of leadership is to model, encourage, train, and even command people that are stuck to get moving, to go forward. Circumstances try to dictate to people and tell them why they can't move forward. Well, you don't understand what I'm going through, and that's true, but God does. And the problem is this, anything you choose to allow to become the, the stumbling block, the obstacle to your forward progress, if it's, if it's a stumbling block in here and in here, then it'll be in your way until you deal with it. Because we all go through stuff. We all go through challenging moments, challenging times and seasons, don't we? I do, you do. But that's exactly what God spoke to Moses at the Red Sea. God said, lead these people to move. Command them to move. Command them to go forward. Even though they're facing an ocean in front of them and the enemy behind them, God said, tell them to move forward. Everybody say, move forward. The Bible teaches that all truth runs parallel. So when the Bible says Jesus spoke in parables, he spoke in parallels. You want to know what the kingdom of God is like, the functional system that God is working? You know how that works? Uh, look at the seed. Look at the tree. Look at the bird. Look at the farmer in the field. And he used parallels to say that if it's true in this realm, the truth, the God truth, then it's also true in the spirit realm. If it's true in the natural, it's true in the spirit. If it's true in the spirit, it's true in the natural. All truth runs parallel. Jesus would point these things out. Well, Newton's first law of motion that he discovered is this, and Newton was a, a believer, by the way, uh, not Fig Newton, uh, Isaac Newton. And, and, he, and I'm gonna give you a, a little bit of uh, physics today, but don't check out on me because I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna preach on physics. I'm just gonna give you this, this statement. And many of you learned it in school. An object in motion tends to remain in motion unless acted upon by some outside force. Say it again. An object in motion tends to remain in motion unless acted upon by some outside force. Now, the same is also true. An object at rest tends to remain at rest unless it's acted upon by an outside force. So there's got to be some kind of thing. When you're moving or sedentary, your tendency will be to stay in that same way unless something external begins to happen. Are you hearing me? Unless there's some type of catalyst, unless there's something that begins to cause the shift, unless there's something that begins to move you or stop you. Spiritually, that means this. Once you start your life moving in the right direction, surrender to God, it will continue unless or until an obstruction or an interference occurs. And God created that truth, and the devil knows that truth. So your life was designed for momentum. Your life was designed to get you going in a certain direction, in, good, in, in, in righteous things, in good things, in God things. 
and for your life to continue going. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be some hiccups along the way. In fact, there will, because the enemy will put a Red Sea and in front of you and the enemy behind you where you feel like you're in a sandwich and you feel like there's no way out several times in your life because the enemy knows the only way he can stop you from growing and going forward is if he puts something in your path to stop you. The problem is too many of us stop in those moments and begin to feel sorry for ourselves or, listen, when you're going through something, when you've lost someone like Ruth and Naomi, they lost all of the men and they had no kids. They lost their, their visible means of support they lost their finance. They lost their farm. They lost their business. They lost whatever. They lost, they lost hope. There's nothing in ancient times as big an obstacle as a famine that then left you a widow. You're basically, your life was over. You were, you were, your, your future was then to become a hopeless, helpless beggar unless something changed drastically. What are the obstacles you're facing right now to your forward momentum? What are you facing? If we could sit with each one of you, I'm sure we could hear people say, well, pastor, you just don't understand what I'm going through. And that's true. I don't know the specifics, ins and outs. And, and chances are, if you and I sat down together, we would have a conversation. And I, and I, I, I would probably feel like, wow, you really, that's incredible that you're, that you're actually this far along. But that would still not be an excuse because of God. What does your sadness accomplish? Not really anything profitable or productive. What does your sadness, listen, and we all go through sadness, but the Bible says we, that grieving is for the night, but joy comes in the morning. There's a time to grieve. I don't neglect that. I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to put that down. I'm just trying to say that when the grieving time is over, what do you do? Sit in a hole and cry? What's in your way? What's stopping you right now from fulfilling your destiny? You, should, you can usually identify the things that are stopping you by the patterns that are in your life that keep popping up over and over again. Because the enemy knows what he did to stop you last time. If it worked, he'll do it again. When it stops working, he'll move to something else. When you rise above those things that the enemy has placed in your way and you begin to move forward, you'll actually have a breakthrough. Is it sin? Is it addiction? Is it guilt? The fact is we all have strengths and weaknesses, don't we? We all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. Nobody here is perfect. But the point of life is through the word of God, through your relationship with God, that you learn to maximize your strength and neutralize the weakness, that you overcome in those areas. There are even family-wide generational weaknesses 
that are trying to repeat history in your life. It's happened in our family. In fact, when there's a death in a family, just to teach you a spiritual principle that we've seen over and over again in the word and experientially, when somebody dies, whatever was in them working will look for a new outlet in the same family. So if you're battling with family relationships that are depressed, when they die, depression's gonna come knocking on your door and you better have the answer in the word of God and the power of God or that thing is, because it's in, that's why the Bible calls it a familiar spirit. It's not just familiar, it's familiar. It is familiar, it is a familiar, that's what's in the Bible, it talks about a familiar spirit. When an unclean spirit leaves, it'll come back and knock on the door again. That's what the Bible says. It'll come with seven friends, worse than before. So in every generation, that thing tries to get stronger. You and I have gotta be aware of these tactics of the, of the enemy. The Bible says, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices, but be aware that those tendencies are trying to knock on your door, but they have no legal right if you belong to Jesus. They don't have a legal right, but they, they, they have a family tendency. I love the story about Ruth in the Bible, uh, uh, here's a book, you know, in, talk about interesting. Here's a book with a person's name toward the beginning of the Bible. And in that time, women were thought to be property. Someplace in the world, people think women are property today. But God is a women's liberator. God is the greatest one to give people freedom, including and especially women. The first book named after a person, after Joshua, was Ruth. And Ruth proved all kinds of things. It's, it's just a few chapters. I think it's four chapters. It's a great read. It reads like a, like a movie. It would be like a, it'd be like a Lifetime movie today, really. Something on a Hallmark Channel. And I said they get a new formula. But anyway, that's another story, yeah. These powerful women find their way through a trauma, a traumatic series of events that leave them destitute. Their situation is they go through immediate, and this may be about you too. Here's the word, uncertainty. Uncertainty. A lot of people struggle with uncertainty. In fact, if that's your struggle mentally and it can put you into fear, put you into doubt, put you into unbelief, the enemy will hit you with it over and over again. Uncertainty. But I want to tell you, we're all uncertain about the future in some aspects. Ruth and Naomi lost what they thought was their only way to safety, security, and provision. They thought their lives were over. But Ruth found something in relationship with her mother-in-law. She found a relationship with God. She found a relationship with, that not only her mother-in-law loved her but, her, but God loved her. And that was different for her from the Moabite gods. Elimelech, 
I, you know, I, did, I like to study the names and what they mean in Hebrew and that kind of thing. Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, the father-in-law of Ruth, Elimelech's, Elimelech's name meant, my God is king. And my God is king died. And the two sons, interestingly enough, they didn't have very good names at all. One was named Malin. Malin meant, this was Ruth's husband, Malin meant sickness. That was his name. Malin and then Tito. No, no, that was a different one. No, it's a Marlin. But anyway, sorry. Three, three people got the Jackson reference. Anyway. Um, and then, the, then the, the other son was named Chilean. And Chilean's name meant wasting away. So Ruth, ma- Ruth married sickness, and the other girl married wasting away. Boy, they married well, didn't they? And my God is king died. And now they're left alone. What are they going to do? And, and listen, if somebody can talk you into leaving or just going back to your old life, back to your old sin, back to your old habits, they'll do it. So Naomi just said to the daughters, hey, go home. I don't have anything for you. I can't, I can't even take care of myself. I can't take care of you. And the other girl said, okay. Exit stage left. She's out. But Ruth said, no, there's something that I've discovered in my relationship with you, mama. If you're going to Bethlehem, I'm going with you. So they make the journey. Probably had a garage sale. Sold everything. Get on the road. Now, Naomi's name meant my delight. Naomi's name means my delight. Anybody name Naomi in here or middle name Naomi? My delight, but delightful person. Ruth's name means beautiful friendship in Hebrew. Isn't that awesome? Talk about something that means something. This is a beautiful friendship between my delight and beautiful friendship. But they're widows. They have nothing. The fact is, life has many uncertainties, doesn't it? These women, they couldn't have been any less certain of the future. But the truth is that God and his word are filled with many more things that are certain and that are guaranteed than anything else. For example, the Bible says God cannot lie. He's only able to tell the truth. I love Hebrews 6 from the message says this. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he's talking about Abraham and to us. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word a rock solid guarantee and God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. So we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. Pastor Lindsay let us sing about the anchor for our soul. The Bible says we grab those promises and verse 19 says it's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. When you take hold of the promises of God and you believe them and you trust God in those promises and you grab a hold with both hands and you don't let go, that rock-solid guarantee is working its way towards you. That means it's going to be easy, but the promise of God is real. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means he took care of you before. In fact, he took care of you and me before we even knew him. 
He took care of us. He took care of us even before we acknowledged him. How much more will he take care of us when we're honoring him and trusting him and worshiping him? Faith overcomes life's uncertainty, doesn't it? God's word promises that he will give you dominion, but it doesn't say control. I want to say that to you right now. There's a difference between God says, go forth, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and take dominion. And we go, yes. The Bible doesn't say control. It says management. When you take dominion, it doesn't mean everything's easy or that it works out tomorrow. These women had to find a way to get back to Bethlehem. And once they got there, they still didn't have any better situation except they were around more people. They were around more people that believed in God. They basically, it'd be like if you were away and moved away from your church and you came back to your church. Okay? Doesn't mean your problem went away, but you're home, baby. You're home. <clears throat> it's where you're supposed to be. Right? Are you awake today? Don't get quiet on me now. You got to wake up. See, what happens in this situation is these women, they, they, get back, they get back to Bethlehem. Awesome. But their situation didn't change. But now they're around other people that are trusting God too. God doesn't give you control. He gives you dominion. Faith is about trusting God from your heart. Quit leaning on your head and believing this. If you can believe nothing else, believe this. Okay, God has a plan. Something hits you out of left field. You lose someone, you lose something. Something you thought you would have forever is now gone. Maybe you lost your job. Let me tell you something. Whatever it is that's traumatic, you've got to find a way in those moments to say, but God has a plan. I don't know what it is, but God has a plan. He has not left me here alone. In fact, one of the great promises of the Bible to widows and orphans is that he will be the husband to the husbandless and the father to the fatherless. That means he's going to be your insurance. He's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to give you everything a husband would give you and even more. He's going to love you. He's going to take care of you, nurture you, encourage you. He'll be that to you. The problem is, you still look like you're alone. These ladies decide to go back home and they find themselves still in the situation. I happened to turn on, uh, the middle of the night the other night, I happened to turn on um, Hoda and Jenna's show. You know, I, I record in the mornings and I always get to watch it. Uh, and Kathy Lee Gifford was back on for just a, a couple of segments on Thursday. And, it, and, and I just thought, and I started listening to Kathy Lee, and she's now living in Nashville, Tennessee, and started this whole new life. And, and she starts talking about what happened after her husband, Frank Gifford, died, and she was living in their house where they raised their kids, and the kids had grown and moved to California, and then Frank was gone, and she said this beautiful home where that was filled once with such life and flow suddenly became a mausoleum. There's nobody there. She was there with dogs. And she loves her dogs. But she said this, and I, I wrote this down. 
She said, I realized at one point, quote, you can't concentrate on what you've lost or you will lose whatever life you have left if you do that. It will eat you alive. You have to concentrate on what God has blessed you with and what he's already done for you and what he will do for you in the future. Because God has a plan for you, not to harm you, but to give you a future and to give you a hope. So now she's writing songs. She's, what, 66 or 67 years old. And she looks young, younger than she did a few years ago. Folks, whatever we go through in this life, there are moments of decision where you have to determine, how am I going to handle this? Am I going to trust God or am I going to look at the circumstances, stare at the situation and say it's hopeless? Why? Because life can leave you cynical. That's the truth. If you're just looking at circumstances all the time and you're living, if you're basing your feelings on your experiences and your situations and circumstances, it's no wonder you're depressed. Who wouldn't be? So Naomi gets back to Bethlehem, and if you read the scripture, Naomi says to her family, I don't want you to call me Naomi anymore. I don't feel delightful. I'm not your little delight anymore. Don't call me Naomi. Call me bitterness. That's what she says. You read in the scripture, she says, call me bitterness because I am pissed right now. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm disappointed in God. I'm disappointed in my circumstances. I got nothing. But you know what she had? A beautiful friendship with a daughter-in-law who said, wait a minute, mama. I'm gonna do something. Under the Old Testament law, if you look at the, Levit the Levitical laws, <clears throat> there, was a, there was something called gleaning. It meant that people that owned farms, when they grew their crops, they would leave little bits of harvest in the fringes for the poor. They'd leave a little bit left over, kind of like we do Heart Smile Foundation. If we do something for somebody else that's got less than we do, and we trust God. So th this was God's plan. He left something. It was called gleaning. So there were these farms and you could go and, and you wouldn't have to beg if you could find a farm where they had left a little harvest where you could go collect food. And so Ruth goes out and she, she stumbles upon this farm, this barley farm. Now barley is one of those things you can make into grain. It's a grain. You can make, you can make soup, barley soup. Oh, I'm hungry now. Bar beef barley soup. You could, you, could make, um, you could make cereal. You could make bread. You could make something out of barley. So she gets out there and she gleans us barley. And the owner of the property, a dude named Boaz, sees her out there gleaning and he says, who? Who is this girl? And he goes out and meets her. Now, just her getting her life in gear and doing something other than say, don't call me beautiful friendship, call me angry. Call me upset with my mother-in-law. 
See what I'm saying? She could have done. She says, she says, okay, I'm going to go do something. Get it in gear. Just start. Just go somewhere and find the gleaning. Just find. God's got some harvest for you somewhere. Just get out there and find it. Don't quit looking. She goes out to this farm. She just happens to stumble on Boaz's farm. And then Boaz, the Bible says, she found favor with Boaz. So Boaz says, she is hot. I mean, it's, um, that's not in Scripture literally, but it's basically he's, he goes to some of the farmhands and he goes, hey, when this girl comes back, I want you to make her gleaning real easy. Leave whole place, places for her to find barley. Pick it for her. Do something. And the Bible says she found favor. How many know God loves you and you find favor with God? So she finds favor in the midst... When you get it in first gear, the favor's going to be there somewhere to match it. Okay? So she does something. She gets out there. She's gleaning. She's collecting barley. She gets, now, now somebody says, hey, make sure she gets all the barley she wants. Because that girl's hot. Now, he goes and talks to her. They start a conversation. She goes back to Naomi. She keeps, day after day, she's bringing home like, like, like she was out there the farmer. And, and Naomi says, where are you getting all this food from, girl? She says, well, there's a guy named Boaz. She said, Boaz? He's related to my husband's family. He's part of our he's extended family line. Is he married? No. Oh, Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a fine, catch me a... Anybody seen Fiddler on the Roof? Three people seen Fiddler on the Roof. We need to get culture back in Now Church in Ocala. Sheesh. If I were a rich man. Anyway, that's another one. Here's the point. One positive spark... can give you the hope to hang on to. One positive spark can actually, she finds a little bit of gleaning. Now she finds favor. Now her mother-in-law says, that guy is actually qualified to be under the Old Testament law, the kinsman redeemer. What's a kinsman redeemer? The law was this, that in fact, if you had a whole lot of brothers in a family and, and, you, and, and you married in that family and, one of the, and, and, the, and your husband died, then one of the brothers would actually be the kinsman redeemer and he could, if you were hot, he could request you and claim you and marry in his brother's place. And, and, and it went on for extended family as well. So they actually find out. Now the problem is, now Boaz and Ruth start courting and sparking a little bit, Okay. They start hanging out. In fact, if you read the scripture, there, there's a night where Naomi tells her to put on uh, some nice clothes and some perfume and go sleep at his feet. And when he wakes up in the morning, he'll know you're available. So she says, let him know that you're interested. So she actually goes and just, she just stays at his feet, the Bible says, all night. And when he wakes up, he says, what are you doing here? And he goes, it's going to look like something bad happened here. We've got to sneak you out. 
Because otherwise people are going to get the wrong impression. And he realizes she's interested in him. He's interested in her. But then he goes, wait a second. There's somebody else that's a closer relative that actually has a right to be her redeemer if he wants to be. So he sets up a situation where he goes out and says to the guy, if the guy, the guy has to basically renounce his rights in order for Boaz to move into first position. Are you following me? So they get out. It's a great story, isn't it? It's only like four chapters, but it's a great story. And so he gets out there. So Boaz arranges this thing and says, I heard you might want to buy some land from so-and-so from, that, from the part of the family. He says, yeah, I, I do. He says, well, if you buy the land, I heard that this Moabite girl kind of comes with the property if you want her. He goes, no, I just want the land. He goes, okay, sign right here. <laughs> Signs his rights away. Now Boaz, now Boaz says, he gets 10 witnesses. Boaz says, does everybody see that? I want to marry Ruth. I want to be her kinsman redeemer. Now, can I tell you financial pressure is one of the craziest things. When you're under financial pressure, it will cause what's really going on inside of you to surface real fast. Anybody ever notice that? You go along good, all of a sudden you hit a financial bump and it's like, ah! Now all those cuss words you haven't said in a few years start bubbling up. Why? Because you're under pressure. This is what was going on in these girls, these women, these, these widows. Desperate people do desperate things. That's not an excuse, it's just a reality. Hunger can make anyone steal. But here's the point, in our desperation, will we open up to God? Will we open up to God? When, when Boaz sees what Ruth is like, he says this statement. Verse, Roman, Ruth 2, verse 12. The Lord will repay you, and a full reward will be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Boaz says, you know what I notice about you? You're looking for God in all this that you're going through. I respect that. That's what's the hottest thing about her to him. He said, this woman is really serious about her relationship with God. So Boaz, an Old Testament picture of Jesus, by the way, <clears throat> what Jesus did, he took our punishment, provided for our freedom and our redemption as our kinsman redeemer, our elder brother, the Bible says. And through this whole soap opera of drama, they fall in love. Boaz marries Ruth. Now, listen to this. Here's a couple more names. Boaz's name meant fleetness and swift moving, like fleet of foot. He was, he was quick. He was fast moving. That's what his name meant. He was fast moving. Much better for her to marry fast moving than sickness. Remember Malin, her, her late husband? No wonder he died. He was just a sickly guy anyway the whole time. A couple of lives that, that, that looked stuck, hopeless, and empty became pictures of restoration, vindication, and blessing. Now here's the rest of the story. Boaz, his father was named Salmon or Salmon. 
His mother's name was Rahab. Another foreign woman who'd found God and become part of the Israelites. The problem with Rahab was she wasn't just a Jerichite. She was a prostitute until she was redeemed by a fish named Salmon. Salmon marries Rahab and they have one son and his name is Boaz. If that's not a picture of redemption, this, so this former prostitute is now the mother of a very prosperous, wealthy young man, landowner in the town who now takes out and steps out in faith and marries Ruth. And Ruth and Boaz go on to have a son I never did a word study on this one before. His name was Obed, O-B-E-D, Obed. Sounds like you're really tired late at night, Obed. But you know what Obed's name means? Listen to this, Pastor Lindsay. Obed's name means serving God in worship. Serving God in worship. He's like a worship leader. So now, Boaz and Ruth have a kid and name him worship leader. He goes on, he and his wife have a son named Jesse. And Jesse has a son, he has a whole bunch of sons, doesn't he? But he winds up with a special son who's also a worship leader in the choir of heaven, a boy named David. Ruth becomes the great-grandmother of David the king. Don't ever write off your story when God's got a plan for generations of what's coming that's good through you. At any time, Ruth could have said, I'm going to stay in Moab. She wanted God. And she went on to produce a whole family that not only loved God, but their worship affects our worship today thousands of years later, doesn't it? Because of a story of redemption that God can take someone hopeless and give them hope. God can take somebody destitute and give them abundance. Ruth became the owner of the field that she used to glean in. You wonder how much compassion she probably had on other people to let them glean as well in the barley field. Where are you today? What's your limitation? What's become your excuse? If God can take a little pagan Moabite woman and put her in the family line, the family tree of Jesus Christ, then he can do something great for you. But here's the deal. When you find yourself in an insurmountable obstacle as your pastor, the Bible instructs me to command you not to baby you, not to plead with you, but to command you. In the name of Jesus, I command you to get moving, to go forward. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is life to us. Your word is health to all of our flesh. Your word changes us. 
Let your life, that worship, flow through us as we sang that song about sweet incense, Father. Come, Holy Spirit, and move in this place and change us from the inside out. Lord, I pray for those that are watching today in our online campus, for those that are in this room that may feel stuck, that may feel neutralized, that may feel weak, that may feel like the obstacles in front of them and behind them have them sandwiched in under so much pressure that they can't possibly go on. I want to tell you in the name of Jesus, not only does God have a plan for you, but he has a purpose for you. And if you will take one more step to glean from his field, to invite him into your heart and invite him into your life, he can show that same redemption power through you to other generations. If you're here today and, you're, and you're, you've allowed yourself to make excuses for where you are, this is your moment for healing. This is your moment for a new start. Don't keep doing the same things over and over again and expect a different result. You want a different year at the end of 2020 than you had at the end of 2019? You want to be in a different place a year from now? It starts today. Not with good intentions, but with good decisions. Actions of faith. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I've been stuck. I've found these obstacles and I've allowed them to become excuses in my own heart. I want to pray for you right now. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up right wherever you are? Just be honest about it. We make excuses, don't we, all the time. And then the problem is we, we, we conveniently follow the excuses instead of following God. Just keep your hands up right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, even for those of you at home, maybe you're in a hotel room somewhere connecting with us online. Lift your hand right where you are. God sees you. Father, I pray for everyone whose hands are raised, everyone whose hearts are open, and I pray that you reveal yourself as the kinsman redeemer, the one with whom we find favor as we look to glean in the field of your word and look for one nugget of life in your word that that scripture, that nugget, that promise can come alive in us and speak to us and become a lifeline for us to hang on to. We throw that lifeline out to you today in Jesus' name. If you'll grab a hold of it by faith and trust God for his promises to come to pass, he will reveal himself to you and through you and for you. Just don't give up. Just don't give up, Samantha. Just don't give up, Fred. Just don't give up, Travis. Just don't give up. Trust God and look for that breakthrough. Look for that next little step that you can take in obedience to cast aside your fear trust God in Jesus name Amen Thanks for joining us at Now Church For the latest updates visit us at nowchurch.com including live or on demand video online giving and much more 
And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.